Absolute praise that he deserves. He's worthy of it all, folks. I'm thankful, I'm thankful to you, Jesus. He's worthy of it all. Hallelujah, what a great God we serve. What a great God we serve, amen. If God's been good to you, why don't you wave your hand and say, he's been good to me. <laughs> look at the witness, look at the cloud of witnesses that says, God has been so good to me. Hallelujah, I cannot tell it all. I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Amen. Take your Bibles if you have them. We're going to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. 2 Kings, chapter 13. While you are going there, it's such a delight for me to be here. Man, Brother Brian, Sister Lisa, this music is, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Anointed. It's one thing to have talented music, but anointed music is, is I love it. Thank you for ushering us into the presence of the Lord, all the choir members. I know that it's effort and time, but it's, it's, it's worth it. You are creating an atmosphere here where the Spirit of the Lord could move in a mighty way. Pastor and Sister Linda, love them and appreciate them. Things are done at this church on a level of excellence. I love that. Young people learn from this. Everywhere I look around this church, things are done just on a level of excellence, and I'm thankful for ministers like that and people like that in my life that I could use an ex as an example. To all those that I know, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. All the visitors, if you're here for the first time, please come back. Next week, you'll have your regular scheduled program. And I tell you, it, I guarantee you it'll be better than this. Amen. So it's so good to have you here. Good to be here with my brother. Good to be here, be here with all our friends. Second Kings chapter 13, verses 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness where he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. Two more verses. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite unto the ground, and he smote three times and stayed. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have done that five or six times. Then you would have had uh, victory over Syria until you would have consumed them. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria only three times. Only three times. I want to minister on this subject. Victory is in your hands. Victory is in your hands. He's already given it to you. Victory is in your hands. Can we ask the Lord to help us? in the next few minutes. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. It is not by might or by power, but it's by your spirit. God, there are lives and hearts that need to be touched here. Jesus, do it as only you can. I, I cannot do it by myself, Lord God, but it's your words, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. I believe in you. I trust in you, Jesus, for a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands as you're seated. Give God praise for all he's done. 
Victory is in your hands. There have been moments throughout history where people have missed opportunities. I, I think there are people in this room right now, if I said, have you ever missed an opportunity in your life? Most people would say, I have. As I was looking through this and putting this together, I was looking at people that missed really big opportunities. And one that I came across, a lot of you know this story already, but it was in the 1970s. It was a man by the name of Steve Wozniak. Wozniak. He worked for a company by the name of Hewlett Packard. And Steve was in his garage making computers, home computers. Well, he went to his bosses at Hewlett Packard and he said, listen, I would like for you all to invest in home computers and making home computers. Well, they laughed him out of the office. This is in 1970. This wasn't that long ago. I know some of you young people are like, wasn't that the year that Noah came off the ark? Like... No, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't that long ago. They laughed him out of the office. And they said this. Why would anyone need a computer in their home? So Mr. Wozniak said, thank you. Left, joined up with a man by the name of Steve Jobs. Formed the Apple Corporation made home computers, phones, iPads, you name it, they make it. Today, the market value of the Apple Corporation is $2.7 trillion. I didn't say billion. $2.7 trillion. They have more money than some countries do. I wonder what the people at Hewlett Packard are saying today. We missed an opportunity. And while $2.7 trillion, my, that sounds like a lot of money. That's an opportunity, a great opportunity that was missed. But you know what? I've lived long enough and read this Bible long enough to know that you cannot take it with you. So when you miss opportunities here on earth, it's one thing. But when you miss eternal opportunities... When you miss things that can impact your eternity, then we're talking about something totally different. The value is much more than that of $2.7 trillion. It's life, it's eternity, it's forever. And as we read in our opening text today, we read about a man by the name of Joash. And Joash is one of these men that missed an opportunity of a lifetime. A little bit about his story. He is one of the kings of Israel. He inherits the kingdom at a really bad time. And he, re he recognizes that there's the, the morale is down. Everything is, they're in dis distress, they're in desperation. And this is when he inherits the kingdom of God. But more than that, he hears that Elisha, the prophet, is sick and he's about to die. Now that's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Because in those days, in, Bible, in the Bible days especially, the prophet's voice was the voice of God to the king or to anyone at that time. God wouldn't speak to the king or others in, mo, in, in, in most instances. He would speak to a prophet or a priest. And the king relied on the prophet to say, hey, you need to give me a word from God, especially when they're in distress. They're like, I need a word from God. And this is the same situation that Joash is in. So he, he, he hears that Elisha is sick. 
he runs to Elisha and he begins to lament. He says, ah, my father, well, the, the, the chariots of Israel, he's, he's saying we're in desperation. We're, we're in a desperate, we need a word. In other words, he was saying, give me a word. What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? What's the next step that I have to take? And some here, you might be in a desperate situation today. But there's one that's greater than Elisha. You know, Elisha knew exactly what to do when Joash showed up at his doorstep. But there's one that's greater than Elisha that's here today. If you have a need, if you have something in your life, you could take it to the Lord. If, if you're in a desperate situation, you could take your need to the Lord. He still hears and answers prayer. I know we have so many gadgets and so many things that help us with the comforts of life today. But can I tell you that Jesus is still the answer for the world? Nothing can do what Jesus can do. In fact, the Bible says that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We need to understand that scripture and get it. The feelings of our infirmities, it does, and that word infirmities is not just relying, uh, speaking about the physical physical infirmities it's talking about infirmities of the soul infirmities of the mind in other words he can do it all he doesn't just touch your body he'll touch your mind he'll he jesus you could go to him he's been there done that he's got the t-shirt he knows how to take care of the problem we can't ever forget that even in 2024 we've got to understand that he is the answer I can do as much as I can, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He goes and he says, I need, I need a word from you. And when he goes, I think the next set of a series of events, is, they're kind of unique. Elisha tells him, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pick up the bow and the arrows that are there. Joash picks up the bow and the arrows. And Elisha says to him, shoot. But before he says to shoot it, he comes behind him and he does one of these. He puts his hand on Joash's head. He puts this hand here and he pulls back with him and he says, now shoot the arrow. And Joash does that. They both pull together. And they shoot the arrow and they shoot it eastward. Why east? That's where their enemies were, Syria. He shoots it towards Syria. And Elisha tells him, that arrow that you just shot, that represents deliverance from Syria. Not only a little bit of deliverance, but deliverance forever. You will totally consume them. I think it's important to know that when he came to the man of God, and he needed victory. There was an enemy that he needed to know who to shoot at and how to shoot it. And it was the man of God that helped him to direct what he needed to shoot. Who his enemy. Can I just break it down? This is what I'm really trying to say. If you've got something going on in your life, you need a pastor. You need somebody in your life that can say, come here. Let me tell you what you need to. Because sometimes... We're shooting at people, but it's not the right people. You're not my problem. My boss is not my problem. The guy at the store down the street is not my problem. We got a bow and arrows. We're ready to shoot everybody up. 
But you need a man of God to say, ah, we got a common enemy. There's a spirit behind this. You need to aim at the enemy and you need to begin to shoot and call on the name of Jesus and get victory over your enemy. And so he shot the arrow. He said, you will consume them. Up until this point, it is a successful trip for Joash. He needs an answer. But he not only gets an answer, but he gets a prophetic word for the future. You've got it. You've got your answer. Now the prophet turns around to him and says, okay, it's your turn. And he says, pick up those bow and arrows and shoot it. Now, let me clarify some things. In the Bible, especially the King James, it says that he takes arrows and smites them on the floor. But most Bible commentators don't believe that he actually took arrows and smote them on the floor. What he really, the Bible is really saying is that he took the bows and the arrows and he shot them into the ground towards Syria. Because that was a symbol in those days of, it's on. I'm shooting these arrows into the ground towards you. I'm about to start war with you. And most Bible commentators said, that's what, Joash, uh, Elisha rather, was telling Joash, pick up that bow and arrows. I've showed you what to do. I can't go to work with you on Monday. I can't go to school with you on Tuesday. But I've shown you what to do. Were well, you paying attention? Now it's time for you to do it. You've got to do this on your own. Pastor can't be with you all the time. Sometimes you might have to open a Bible study and do one all by yourself. He said, pick it up. He picks it up. He goes, one, two, three. And he puts it down. And the Bible says that Elisha was angry with him and said, why did you only shoot that three? You know what? Elisha recognized in that moment, this guy just missed an opportunity. Listen, it was not only an opportunity for his life, but he said, you would consume the Syrians forever. You know what that means to me? There could have been victories for generations to come if he had shot that more than three times. I know I've got a son that's eight years old. I know that he's got to fight his own battles. But mom and dad, there's some battles that you better win now so Junior doesn't have to face it. You better pick up those arrows and you better keep shooting and say, I can't afford to stop. I've got to keep shooting. I've got to keep shooting. And here it is. He said, shoot them. And Joash shoots and he puts them down. And Elijah says, man, you missed an opportunity. And if there was anyone that knew about missed opportunities, it was Elisha. Remember his story? He's following this guy called Elijah all over the, all over the, the world. And people are telling him, don't follow him. But he says, I'm not going to miss an opportunity. I know what to do. I know I need to stay close to this man because I know something is about to happen and I'm not about to miss my opportunity. Even Elijah himself turned around and said, Elijah, you don't have to follow me. He says, ah, this is too important. It has value. It has value. It's not just a church that I come to. This is my salvation. There's eternal value with this. I'm not letting this go. I'm not leaving this. 
So he shoots it three times and he stops. And Elisha says, man, you missed it. And I wish I was the news reporter that would be able to interview Joash and say, sir, why did you only shoot three of those arrows? Brother Joe, I wonder what his excuses would have been. Here's the bottom line. He could have said, I was too tired. I didn't know how to do it myself. There were other things going on. I thought I, would have, I should have kept them for another time. But all of that is wrapped up into this. He quit. He stopped. The victory was ahead of him. But he stopped doing what he was doing. So I delved a little further into his life. And when I looked at Joash's life, he was just like the other kings of Israel. Here's the problem. They were idol worshipers. They loved God, but they loved idols. So the bottom line, Joash did not continue shooting those arrows because he was distracted. Because you see, when you love God and you love other things, there's not a passion that's only for God. You've got partial passion for God. You've got Sunday passion for God, but Tuesday passion for other things. And so I can imagine as he's holding those arrows and he's shooting them, he's thinking about his fantasy football league. Oh. He's thinking about his Netflix series. He's thinking about what he's got to do. He's, th he's thinking about all these carnal things. Nothing wrong with them. But he's thinking about all these carnal things that he has to do. And because all these carnal things are on his mind, he forgets to understand. He, he fails to realize that there's an opportunity of victory right in front of him. Church, can I preach to you for just a few minutes? It's go time. Hebrews 12 says it the best way. Wherefore seeing we have been encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily beset us. And let us run this race with patience. The race that is set before us looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't miss an opportunity to be a witness because you've got something better going on. God, I got plans. I know there are people in my high school that need to be saved, but I got plans. I got to be popular. I got to look good. My clothes got to look good. I know there are people in my community that need to be saved, but God, I got plans. I got to go to my friend's house. I got to do this. I got to do that. Hallelujah. Jesus, help us. Help us, God. He has placed an opportunity for the church, the 21st century church. This, our, our world is hopeless. Our world is lost and it's dying. There are people that live next to you that are writing suicide notes as I'm preaching this message today. And he's simply saying, will you just pay attention 
I have called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. I have called you not to be at ease in Zion, but I've called you to pay attention and take the opportunities that I have given you. I've laid them before you. I believe that in this community, the people that are sitting in this church right now, I believe it could be doubled and tripled within six months to a year because somebody's going to say, I've got an opportunity to do something. You say, well, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to teach Bible. I can't preach. I can't sing. It doesn't matter. You could just live, live the lifestyle. Talk to someone. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That many times your first connection with somebody that comes to church is not going to be you telling them Acts 2.38. We're living in such a divided nation. This one against that one. Democrats, Republicans, this one. Racial injustice. It's all over the place. And if we're not careful, we adapt the culture of what's going on and we isolate and separate ourselves from the very people who God has called us to. And we walk by them every day, but we got our issues with them because they don't think like us, they don't act like us, and they don't look like us, and I've got other things to do. And God's saying, I placed an opportunity right before you. And it starts with simply saying, how was your day today? My wife and I are blown away by this generation of younger people. We would walk right by people. We have a path that's by our house. It's about, about, it's about this wide. And we would walk on that path leisurely. And we would walk by people that will not even make eye contact with us. That's the society and the generation that we're fostering. You could do everything without having human contact. You go to the bank, go to the supermarket, you could do anything without having any human contact. That's not the way of the church. The way we are going to win disciples is by human contact. Simply saying to someone, good morning, goes a far way. Well, I don't know how to teach. Don't worry about knowing how to teach Bible studies. There's a lady that drops my, my mother's vitamins off every, every few days. And I was sitting at the dining table and I heard her coming to drop the, the, the vitamins off. And I said, mom, that lady is ready for salvation. She says, is, is she? I said, yeah. She says, maybe I'll invite her to church next time. I said, Mom, you don't need to do that. Can I, I know that I'm not going against what this pastor thinks. I know that we want people to come to church, but that is not our primary goal. We want people to know Jesus Christ. And however that happens, that's how it's got to happen. I said, when she comes to the door next time, I want you to ask her a simple question. How is your life? What's happening in your life? Are you okay? I know sometimes we don't want to ask people that question because an hour later we're still there. But come on, is it worth it? 
Is it worth it? I'm not trying to come against anyone here today, but I've realized even in my life that I have missed so many opportunities because I have been caught up with my own stuff, even stuff that I've labeled ministry. We're sent to a lost and a dying world. I walked through the mall. I was in St. Louis a few weeks ago. and We were walking through the mall and I broke down in tears. And I said to my wife, they're so lost, babe. I look in their eyes, Sister Linda, and there's no sense of direction. They're, they're, they're following something that they don't even know what it is. They, they all look a certain way. I say, God, we've got to love them and we've got to reach them. It is go time. There's still victories to be won. Listen, if you're here today, the best thing for you to do is have God in your life. Don't stop shooting. What, 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 what is it in your life that would stop you from shooting those arrows? People say, I'm tired. No, you're not tired. You might be tired, but what the true story is that you don't recognize the value. If I were to put a, a bullseye on the back of this wall today, and I said, if somebody hits that bullseye with some arrows, there's $2 million that you could take home with you. And I, put, I laid arrows all across this congregation, all, all across this building. And I said, go ahead. You have as many chances as you want to. Hit it, the $2 million is yours. What would you do? Would you just try? Almost died. Would you, <laughs> would you just try one, two... Uh-uh. I told my wife, baby, I'd be like, my, my, my baby needs some shoes. I, got <laughs> I would not stop. My shoulder, Sister Sharon, my shoulders would be hurting me. I said, I just need one more chance. You know why? Because I understand the value of doing that. If you are too tired, you need to ask God to let you understand again the value of a soul. Understand again the value of salvation. Understand again why I do what I'm doing. Keep shooting. Keep shooting. Keep shooting. Keep shooting. Don't stop. I wanted to put that first picture up. Just telling you about what's happening in my life. You saw this in the video. This lady walked out, walked into our main church. She was two weeks out of a mental health institution. And she walked into our service. I had heard a little bit about her story before she walked in. I, for whatever reason, I was standing in the back of the service that day, and I watched her. And I watched God touch her, and I watched her sit down and weep. And when she was leaving the service, I introduced myself to her. I asked her, how are you doing? She started crying. She said, I'm trying my best. I said, God really touched you today. She said, something touched me. I don't know what it is. Folks... At that moment, I could say, be blessed. See you next Sunday. Go see somebody. Maybe they'll help you with a Bible study here. Go sign up. I said, do 
you need a Bible study this week? She says, yes. Well, we're leaving for New York in a few days. There's a six-hour time difference. Maybe somebody else can give you the Bible study. No. I asked her, when are you available? I don't care if it's midnight. I'll be in New York. I'm teaching you a Bible study. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. There's an opportunity right in front of me. I'm not stopping. We get to New York. Six-hour time difference. Sister Sharon, we're on the phone with her for Zoom for two hours teaching Bible studies. There's a six-hour time difference. She's asking all kinds of questions. I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. God, there's a work that I got to do. We give her a Bible study. Her, when she got the revelation of the oneness over Zoom, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my It's like her eyes open wide. Wow, the oneness of God. She understood that she had to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. When we got back to France, we baptized her in Jesus' name, and she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I could have stopped shooting a long time ago, but it's too important. When we came back, we started going to her house. She lives 50 miles away from the church. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. I'm only doing half of what I should be doing. He died on the cross for me. How dare me look at him and say, I don't have time for your stuff. She lives 50 miles away from her house. Every Friday, me and my wife got in the car. Caleb got off of school, took him home, got him a snack, drove 50 miles away. Time to teach Bible study. We got there. We were teaching Bible studies. And we said, hey, what do you think about starting a small group in your house? She says, I don't think so. Let the arrows lay there. No. Very kindly, we kept teaching her. And then finally she came to us and says, I want the small group in my house. We were teaching in our house. And a few months later, next picture. Next one, next one. Next one. Oh, maybe you got the wrong. But there's a whole entire church now. That town that's called Sens. There's a whole entire church that's in a community right now. Why? Go back to that other picture. Go back to the, go back to the one, one before this. This girl. This is the girl I talked about in the first service. She's from Lebanon. We came and she started having a Bible study in our house. And we would keep teaching her. She said, I don't know. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is true. Kept shooting the arrows. I'm not putting it down now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping. Long story short, after a few months of Bible studies, now the next picture. That's her all the way on the left. And everybody that's in that room is a result of that one What about it, Heaven View? It 
Is it go time? I'm going to start tomorrow. The person at the checkout at Walmart or Little or whatever, how are you doing? The person at school that everybody rejects, you doing okay? The person that everybody wants to walk by, you doing okay? You know what they said about Jesus? What are you doing with those people? Have we gotten so elitist as Pentecostals that we don't realize that we've got to reach those people? The Bible says such were some of you, but now your blood washed. Jesus has saved you. Stand with me. I didn't want, I didn't mean for this to turn into a commitment service. I know that you've done it. I know the theme is go time. But before you even walk to this altar today, I want you to identify some people and some situations where you can start making a difference tomorrow. You might not have them at this altar next Sunday being filled with the Holy Ghost, but what about five years from now? Is it worth it? Can I ask you a question? You're here today because somebody kept shooting arrows. What if the person that witnessed to your mom, your grandmother, your grandfather, your uncle, your, what if one day they put down the arrows and said, I don't have time for this anymore. You would not be here. So how can we say, I don't have time for them? God, God hit me so hard with this a few months ago. I said, God, I've lost the value of a soul. I've gotten so caught up in ministry that I've forgotten the value of a soul. People that are lost. I'm thankful for the two that received the Holy Ghost today. There are more here that need the Holy Ghost today. I want you to come and receive the Holy Ghost. But church... Everyone in this room, I'm giving you a decree right now. It is go time. There might be some things. Listen, don't just do January fasting and go back to business as usual on February 1st. There might be some things this whole year that you say, I'm putting that aside for the kingdom. I wonder if we could start with our leaders that could step out to this altar. Say it's different now. It's different now. I'm not going to sit here and watch these people commit suicide, be hooked on drugs, be having all these lifestyles that are being messed up by the enemy. I'm just going to sit here and sing on the choir and not understand what my job is. Baptize us with a fresh desire. It's not just about me. Hallelujah. 
I know you've got some things going on in your life, but listen, it says, seek me first in my kingdom. He'll take care of the things in your life. Advance his kingdom. Thank you, Jesus.